Well, I hated to miss last week, but I was glad that uh, Reverend McLean could be here and uh, understand that he was uh, well-received and um, he always um, is well-received and does a great job. And so I, I was uh, more than happy to share uh, his ministry with you, and, and I'm glad that, um, that you were here. And I uh, did get to listen to his message on Psalm 23 and uh, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, great message. Well, today we, are, uh, we have heard from a couple of uh, different scripture in our readings this morning, and I want to focus in on this parable. Some people call this the parable of the wicked servants, or probably in your Bible uh, there in the pews it says the parable of the wicked tenants, and I think that's, uh, that may be the best. If you are um, a landlord... Isn't that a terrible name, landlord? If you're a landlord, you probably know some wicked tenants. Uh, But I don't want you to think about them today. Uh, I want you to think about maybe uh, where you come into this text as well. Before we do that, though, I I want to uh, just uh, let you know about StoryCorps. StoryCorps is coming to Shreveport, I believe, not this week, but the next week. And they will take their Airstream, isn't that a nice looking Airstream? Uh, They will take their uh, Airstream over to Broadmoor uh, Public Library and put it in the parking lot. And they, uh, if you listen to NPR, uh, you probably have heard them advertising this or you've maybe seen this in different places in the newspaper or on the internet. Uh, They're going to collect stories. They want people to tell their stories and they'll record those stories and uh, be able to use them in, in their programming. Uh, and part of, of their focus is in realizing that stories change lives. Stories make a difference. Now, we know that, right? We love uh, the stories that we have right here in our church, and so many of you have shared in those stories. And uh, so many of you have yet to share yours, but I'm coming for you. Randy, uh, and uh, we will get a story out of you sooner or later, and you'll be able to, um, to share the things that God has done in your life, or the things that you have experienced, and that's what this is all about. Now, Jesus knew about stories, didn't he? Uh, Jesus would go from town to town, not in an airstream, although I think if he uh, could have had one, he would have had an airstream, but he would go from town to town, not collecting stories but telling stories. And the kind of stories that he told were parables. And a parable is, if you think more in terms of uh, an Eastern uh, philosophy kind of story, or maybe an Aesop's story that has a very powerful truth to it, or a wisdom teaching, something that draws the listener in and then has a hook in there so that uh, those who have ears to hear can hear whatever they need to hear. And I guess for those who aren't listening, they'll probably miss it, but maybe they'll get it later on. And that's what Jesus did. He would go and he would tell these stories, not only to his disciples, but he would tell the stories to anyone who was in the crowd. On this particular day, as Jesus is telling his story, uh, there are some religious leaders who are around him. And as you see towards the end of this, uh, as as we heard uh, a moment ago, the chief priests and some of the the people that are really giving Jesus a lot of trouble uh, are there in the crowd. And so he picks a story 
He comes up with a story based on something he knows they need to hear. If you look there in your text, and I hope that you'll, if you closed your Bible, you'll find it again there on the pew rack in front of you. But Matthew uh, chapter 21, verses 33 through 44 is this particular uh, text. And as we see in the placement of this, Jesus has already entered into Jerusalem. He is heading on in uh, to do some things that he knows are going to get him into some trouble. Jesus was not afraid to be in trouble, at least a holy kind of trouble. He wasn't afraid to show his, uh, his anger at the injustice that he was seeing all around him and that he was seeing within his own religion. And sometimes when we read the Gospels, we, uh, especially when we read John's Gospel, we uh, get this idea that Jesus is against the Jews. Well, Jesus is a Jew, right? He never ceased being Jewish, uh, but he is going after some people within his own uh, Jewish religion. And he is speaking out against people in his own family, his own group, to say, this is not what God wants you to do. This is not the way it is supposed to be in our world today. And so he is calling them out and he is saying some very strong things to them. But he does it primarily through these kinds of stories. And so he says, listen to this parable. And so they're, you know, bending in. They didn't have uh, phones, uh, you know, to be able to look at Twitter or uh, Instagram or Facebook. Like I I hope none of you are doing in this moment. But they they didn't have any of that. But to listen, They, they were very much a listening kind of uh, people, they, they would uh, perk their ears up and listen. So Jesus starts telling the story. And he says, this uh, guy has a lot of money, and I'm just kind of uh, paraphrasing here a little bit. He has all of this money, and he decides that he wants to plant a vineyard. And so he does that. He goes, plants a vineyard, he puts a wall all the way around it uh, to keep you know, people out, maybe to keep animals out, to keep people from stealing uh, the grapes and, and uh, getting the, the bounty of the things that are there. He gets a watchtower built there and a wine press. I mean, he goes all out in making sure that he is setting this up right. He probably watched one of those HGTV or DIY shows on how to make your own wine uh, or a vineyard. And so he, he does this and then he leases it out. And he doesn't want to get his hands dirty and all of the the soil that's there. Probably doesn't know that much about uh, growing uh, grapes. And so he leases it out and he figures, I'm going to make money on this deal. I am uh, going to go back home and I'll let these people work this and then they'll produce a harvest and we're going to make some money on this. And so he does that. He leases it out and the tenants come in, they begin to work it and and uh, they began to, uh, you know, bring forth the things that, that would uh, uh, make a harvest. And the owner decides he wants to collect on some of that fruit or at least find out what's going on. So he sends some of his servants to go to uh, that vineyard. And he sends them on their way. And what happens when they get there? Uh, Jesus says the first one uh, was killed. And the second one in the group, he was beaten to death or beaten And we assume that was to death. And then the third one was stoned to death. People picking up rocks, throwing them. And usually when you get hit in the head with a rock, you don't live. So 
wipes them out. And uh, he gets, word gets back to him, or at least the three guys never come back to where uh, he is. And so he decides to send another uh, group of servants to go. Sends three more, and they go, and the same thing happens to them, according to Jesus. And so the, the owner is, is just um, bewildered, I'm sure. He's thinking, I can't send any more of my servants there. Uh, this is really cutting into my uh, employment. Uh, and so I'm going to send my son. Because they will not do that to my son. They obviously don't care about these servants. They know that they work for me. and um, My son, though, when I send my son, he will be able to get what I need from him. He'll be able to make sure that he's bringing me a report, but also bringing the fruit. And then also making sure that we're, we're handling this problem that we're having in the vineyard. But that's not what happens. Jesus says the son goes, and what do they do to him? They take him, and they go outside of the walls of the vineyard, and they kill him. And the idea is that it's a brutal death. I was looking at some of the paintings of this yesterday. Uh, You can kind of see the idea here with the spears going in. I asked Jenny last night before I uploaded this, I said, is this too graphic? There was one that was a little more graphic. Uh, But you can see that they were killing the son and they threw him uh, just out into a a pile of rubbish. And Jesus is telling them this story to get their attention. He goes on to talk about this cornerstone and he talks about that that, uh, God has provided the cornerstone and that those uh, who fall upon the cornerstone will be broken. Uh, There's a lot that's going on here, and there's another reading we could have included this morning from Isaiah uh, that is about a vineyard. And certainly the people uh, at that time understood about produce and about uh, vineyards and planting and and all the agricultural stuff that goes with that. Uh, But more than anything else, they would have understood that when Jesus was talking about a vineyard, he was talking about them. He was talking about Israel. And Israel was this vineyard that God planted in the world. That God had called out a group of people to usher in and to bring forth uh, God's justice and God's love, God's righteousness in the world. And they would have also understood the accountability that comes with this. That God uh, is going to hold them accountable There's always this covenant idea and this idea of accountability that is in uh, the Bible. Uh, We see that, God holding people accountable. We heard from uh, Exodus this morning and the Ten Commandments, these ten words that God gives, they come with accountability, don't they? If you do these things, you will be well. Uh, you, You won't have to... To, to suffer, uh, if you steal something, you're going to have to pay the consequences of that. If you kill somebody, there are going to be consequences. So he's saying, look, these are some basic things. And uh, there's accountability that comes with them. And Jesus is trying to help them understand that they are all tenants that God has placed in the world to say, this is what you're to be doing. You're to be nurturing. You're to be bringing good things into this world. And for them, wine was the best of the best, right? This is what they were to enjoy and to sustain their lives. 
And they were to be involved in doing all of that. And they weren't doing it. Jesus looked at the religious leaders around him and he saw that they weren't doing it. And again, if you look back earlier in the gospel, Jesus goes into the temple right before this. Comes into Jerusalem from Palm Sunday. He goes in and he gets a whip and uh, turns over the tables. He's cracking the whip. He's getting really angry and showing God's anger because the religious officials in the temple were not allowing poor people and strangers, aliens as we call them, to come into the temple. All these rules and regulations were keeping them away. They were restricting what God wanted to do in and through the temple and in their world. And Jesus says, God has been sending you messengers, prophets. Prophets get in trouble, don't they? (laughs) And uh, as prophets would go in and say, no, Israel, you're doing it all wrong. God is coming back and is going to hold you accountable. And so this just makes them even more mad. And they're so mad they want to do something about it right then. But it says that they decide that this isn't the best time, but they'll get him later. And we see that Jesus would continue to get in trouble all the way to the cross. But Jesus is making a powerful statement to them in a story. As we hear this story today, where do we fit into it? There's something we can identify with pretty much in any story that we hear. And that's one way that we get to know each other and we bond together. It's through our empathy. You tell me your story, I may not have ever been in that situation before, but for a brief moment, I get to be in your shoes. I can place myself there and begin to to have some empathy for what it must be like to be you. And the same thing goes with me. You can get to know a little bit about what it is like to be me by hearing my story. God forbid. (laughs) But as you... As you hear these stories, you find your place in the midst of them. Where do we, as the church, universal, or as the church that's local right here, Church for the Highlands, where do we find ourselves in the midst of a story about a vineyard? Well, we find that we too are tenants, aren't we? That God has given us a place to be right here in the Highland neighborhood. And as we've talked about it before, uh, we usually have uh, a red box. I don't know if I put that on this one or not. Uh, Let's see here. Yep, there's our red box. There's our neighborhood. And uh, you can see that this is our plot of land. This is our soil. This is, uh, and I say our, it's God's, but God has allowed us to be here and called us to work in this area. This is where God wants us to be. And so we are tenants or we are stewards or managers of this area right here for the most part. There's some of that that we don't include. But this is where we are. And so what kind of tenants are we? And do we recognize that God has placed us in a a trustful way with doing God's kingdom work? Now, if you want to go plant a vineyard, I'm all for that. Uh, I think that's a great thing. I mean, literally, go plant a vineyard. 
Uh, as long as you call it Church for the Highlands Wine or Winery, great. But if you think about what does that mean for us in, in other ways, in what ways can we uh, plant ourselves, our lives, our ministries in this neighborhood in such a way that beautiful fruit will come from it, where people's lives will be bettered and changed as a result of what we're doing here. We've always said uh, that, that we want to make such a difference in this neighborhood that if, if we were to disappear, just boom, all of a sudden gone, people would actually know that we're not here. We'd make such a difference in our world that people would notice when we're not here. And that's what God has called us to do, to make that kind of a difference. And if you think about what's going on in our neighborhood, there's so much good that's going on. There's so many things that aren't so good. I met with a group of clergy, another pastor and I, um, Reverend Robert Payne over at St. Mary AME, and I are, are, are friends, and we came together and said, let's, let's form a clergy network in this neighborhood because there's not one that we know of that crosses denominational lines, that crosses racial lines, whatever lines there are, let's bring people together. And we had our first meeting this past week, and uh, we part of that meeting was just saying, what are some of the issues and the concerns that are right here in this neighborhood that, that we need to deal with, or that we need to talk about? And so we began to share, and one pastor said, you know, it's really, the neighborhood is dirty. There are... Uh, plastic bags, and, and there are things that, you know, old tires and things that are around. Uh, that's a concern. We need to clean up the neighborhood. At least that's something we can do. Another one talked about crime. Another one talked about drugs. And as we went around the room, uh, and one of them shared, uh, we got robbed. Noel got robbed uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and I said, well, we, we get robbed every week. We got you beat. No. Um, not every week, but as we were talking about all the things going on in the neighborhood, we said, there, we've got to do something about that. God has called us, not just clergy, but as churches, as people, to be here in this neighborhood and make a difference, a positive difference about the things that are going on. Our hearts, I'm sure, are all grieved uh, over the things that have taken place here recently in our nation, especially in Las Vegas, since we met last with um, all of the, the horrible, terrible things that have, uh, ha have taken place in that city, with 58 people being killed in just a short amount of time, and so many others, 400-something people injured, um, and the devastation that we can't even begin to comprehend. Also, we think about uh, churches uh, like the church in Nashville, where uh, uh, somebody who had been in the church had come in and, and started shooting people. Uh, just the terrible things that go on. And if we want to make a difference in our world so that we can make a better world where things like that don't happen, and they don't happen so frequently that we start to think that it's just another day in our nation, then we will do things right here in our neighborhood. So if you want to make a difference in the world, tend to the vineyard that is right here in our neighborhood. And that means that we'll focus on positive things like education, uh, that we'll get involved, even more involved with doing things in uh, the schools here, Crestwell and Stoner Hill, uh, right here in our neighborhood, and even beyond that. 
but that will really focus on changing lives and making lives better for the future of our world that is in, in, in this, that are in the schools all around us. But also that we would uh, do something to uh, be creative and thinking through how can we provide um, and connect with people who can provide more jobs. I loved hearing Kenneth say, I, I was able to find some work because he had um, been out of work and now he has a job. And uh, that's a positive thing. And we want to see that happen more and more right here in our neighborhood. What can we do as a church to help in that way? And then the things that we do with predatory lending, and uh, there were some positive things nationally that happened this past week to uh, make it even more difficult for these predatory loaners uh, to, uh, to make those kinds of loans and prey on people. Uh, our church can continue doing more and more with things like that. Uh, but also things that develop our community, like the park. We're going to the park this afternoon at 5, and one of the reasons we're going to Highland Park is because we've decided we want to be involved with partnering uh, with others in adopting that park, and we want to make it better. We realize that there are drugs that are being sold there every night, and even sometimes during the day, that prostitution goes on in that park, that no one seems to care about the playground equipment because it's falling apart and dangerous in that park that's just a few blocks away. That God has called us to make a difference. That's in our vineyard. And so what will we do about it? What kind of tenants will we become? We also know people um, are shot and killed uh, almost on a weekly basis in the Highland neighborhood. That the meth... Uh, trafficking and, and, and the problems that come from that are just rampant here in the neighborhood. What will we do about it? And how will we be those messengers who go uh, into this neighborhood to represent God's kingdom and to be able to say there's a better way for us to go and that we want to be involved in with what God wants to do right here in this world. One of the encouraging things that Jesus shares there is that God's kingdom will prevail, and that's what this cornerstone is all about. If you want to learn a little bit more about cornerstones, you could talk to Troy, and Clay's not here this morning, but Troy could tell you probably more than you ever want to know about cornerstones, and uh, there are cornerstones pretty much in every building around, and uh, the Masons and others have been so much a part of that, and you can learn how, how critical a cornerstone is to the structure of the whole building. And so Jesus is saying that God's justice is going to prevail. That people who are marginalized and oppressed and restricted and pushed away from getting into the temple or getting into the grace of God, God's going to have the last say on that. And we need to be sure that we are involved on God's side of that, not on the other. Yesterday, or I believe the day before yesterday, CNN ran stories. They collected stories, and there's that word again, stories that we love, stories that we like to hear about the 58 people that were shot in Las Vegas. And they ran those stories. 58, that's a lot of stories about each person's life. 58 stories that will change lives forever. 
versus one story of a wicked tenant that we would just as soon forget about. And there will be justice and there will be accountability. And so I ask you today, what's your story? And what kind of a tenant are you today? Let us pray.